I think there's some weeks that go by, and maybe this is one of those weeks for you, where uh, where we need to sing that chorus over and over in our heads, right? Because we shouldn't we shouldn't hide the fact that there's difficult days and difficult weeks at times, and. Uh, to commit to praying for each other and with each other, that's, that's what the church is about. And as we were singing that, I couldn't help but think, as we've gone through this series in Ephesians, and we're entering our last month in Ephesians, <clears throat> how desperately we need to come back to these truths in Ephesians and go, what does it look like for us to be the church? For us to embody what God has intended the church to look like. Not what we think it should look like, but what God has intended the church to be. And much of it comes back to a lot of theological truth rooted in just that, even that last song we sang. And God, you are so good. And I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole through Jesus and what he's accomplished. And it's not, you notice the song isn't, I am so good. And I feel like that's what we say sometimes. I'm good. I'm good. And we're not. And so my prayer for us, as we enter into this last month of Ephesians and beyond, beyond just Ephesians. It shouldn't be just when we're studying the book of Ephesians. It should be day after day, week after week, that we would come back to a place and go, man, what does God intend us to be? And how do we work together, admitting when we're struggling and when there's tension, to get there? Okay? And so let's just, I just want to open in prayer this morning and pray that that would ring true for us. And no matter what, your week or your month or your year has looked like, I want you to be able to say, God is good, even when I'm not. Okay? And that sets us up to be in the right place when we come to God's Word, to go, man, I need to humble myself before God and just admit <laughs> that it's okay for me not to be good as long as I know the One who is and who's faithful, and who's consistent. Okay? So let's just pray, and we're going to jump into God's Word this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would challenge us with the richness of that truth. And as we sang that chorus, God, You are so good. And Lord, help us as a church not to lose sight of that. And I'm burdened alongside with my brothers and sisters here, some who've experienced loss, some who've experienced major shifts in their life, some who are just struggling day after day, and some I celebrate with who are just excited and they're, they're pursuing new, uh, new endeavors and they, they see healthy patterns. And Lord, that's what makes up the church is that we're at different phases, but we're together and we recognize that you are faithful. So this morning, as we open up your word, I pray that you would challenge us, equip us to live these truths out, and ultimately, once again, you would be glorified 
most of all. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, the next couple of weeks still, and we've been in Ephesians 5. Um, and this week we're going to focus on a, a very uh, specific section of Scripture, and one that I believe often gets jumped over when we're reading through the book of Ephesians, and yet probably has some of the most uh, immediate application when it comes to our specific culture as a country and as a people group, this is something that challenges us to the core. And it's, uh, it's this reality of how we spend our time. Okay? Now, just for some lighthearted information, I pulled out some statistics on how the, how much time the Average person will spend doing a very amount of tasks or things over their lifetime. Okay? Now understand, these, st- these statistics are based on uh, cumulative 24-hour day periods. Okay? So it ge- if it gives you a year's worth of time, it's you spend a year of non-stop if you consider 24-hour days doing this. Okay? And this is also based on the statistic... Again, I preface this by saying this is what they did the the statistics with. The average life expectancy of someone to be 78.6 years. Okay? And that's across the board in general. And understand that some of these will vary for different people and different routines and schedules, but it's still really interesting. So on average, in your lifetime, you will spend 25 years sleeping you will work for 10.3 years. That's at 40 hours a week from age 20 to age 65. Okay? And remember, that's 24-hour days linked together nonstop. All right? 10.3 years. You will watch TV for 9.1 years. And if that wasn't depressing enough, you'll spend two years watching commercials. People today will spend 3.9 years staring at their phone screen, and I think that's probably higher than that, okay? This was taken several years ago. I would guess it's probably higher. Um, You will spend 1.1 years cleaning. You you will spend two and a half years cooking. You will spend 3.6 years eating. You will spend three months in traffic. You will spend one and a half years in the bathroom. Now, that is just anything you do in the bathroom, getting ready, all of it. So here's, here's the more specific one, okay? You will spend 92 consecutive 24-hour days on the toilet. Okay? So if you ever wondered... How some of those break down on average, okay? And again, this is different for different people in some, some ways. But the reality of this should cause us to look at this sequence and really ask the question, how do I spend my time? 
how am I spending the time that I have, day in and day out, each hour, what am I spending that time doing? And maybe this ultimately draws out, it should draw out a broader question, which is our subject question this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, which is, why should we care about how we spend our time? All right, that's, that's the question we're asking this morning. And you'll understand why when we, we're going to read now in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 15 with me. That's where we're going to start. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Or some of your translations might say, make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ." Heavenly Father, as we <coughs> now understand this text, may you enlighten us, open our eyes to see this clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So the first truth I want you to uh, pull out of this, and why should we care about how we use our time, is because it is a mark of wisdom. It is a mark of wisdom. Someone who watches their time carefully is someone who has recognized that there is wisdom in the disciplined use of the time that we have. And in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Everyone say wise. Imagine, for a second with me, walking into a job interview... And sitting before whoever's interviewing you and going, yeah, you know what? I really don't care how I spend my time. (coughs) Excuse me. I just kind of go with where the day takes me. Utilize my time however I feel it's fit. And I get to the end of the day, I shrug my shoulders and go, eh, there's another day. How many of you think that you would get hired for that job? You're not going to get hired for that job. Why? Because they're looking for someone who's going to discipline themselves to do the task that's before them. And none of us would dream of walking into an interview and saying those things. And so if that's the case, when we think about something like our job or what we've been tasked to do day after day, and we go, that just would not be a wise thing to do. Why is it that we can (coughs) recognize that When it comes to tasks like work. Thank you. But fail to do so in other areas of our life. Why is that? (coughs) 
Colossians chapter 4 says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. <clears throat> Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. <clears throat> I'm convinced that the enemy does not want this message to go forth today. <clears throat> the person who says they want to make the most out of the time that they have, but pays no attention to how they use that time, is foolish to think that they are living wisely. I'm going to say that again because this is a hard reality for us. <clears throat> the person who says they want to make the most out of the time that they have, but pays no attention to how they use that time, is foolish to think that they are living wisely. See, we convince ourselves of that. And we say things like that. We say things like, I want to make the most out of the days that I'm given, out of the time that I have. But then in the same, the same motion... We don't consider how we spend our time. We don't stop to consider where we're wasting our time. <clears throat> A disciplined view of how we spend our time. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We should care about how we use our time because it's a mark of someone who's wise who's living wisely, who's pursuing this wisely. Secondly, why should we care about how we use our time? Because our time here is short. Our time here is short. Now this is emphasized in James chapter 4. It says, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will spend a year there and trade and make profit, <clears throat> yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Now that's a good place for us to remind each other of this truth. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. <clears throat> and if you have any qualms about that, take it up with Scripture, okay? We do not know what tomorrow will bring. Jesus himself stated this in Matthew chapter 6. When he said, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And he's saying, don't worry about tomorrow, okay? That's, that's tomorrow. You're living today. Make the most use of your time today. The rest of that passage in James says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. <clears throat> the reality being that our short time here, even if we live to be 80, 90, even 100 years old, in the grand scheme of eternity, is a blip. Now, sadly, this is often something that we reflect on most 
when we lose someone we love. And it is in that moment that we say to each other, time went so fast. It's, I, can, I can remember these memories like they were yesterday, and how did time get away from me like this? The hard reality of that, though, is, is that the only place we're having that conversation? Is that the only time that we come together and we go, man, life is so short. And too often after reflecting on this and grieving those losses and recognizing how short our time is, we fail to make any change to how we spend our time. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Verse 16 in Ephesians 5. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we use our time? Turn with me back for a moment to Romans chapter 13. As we think about this. And Paul's instruction here in Romans 13 brings about another reality and voices this same truth strongly when we're thinking about our time being short. Romans chapter 13. Specifically, we're going to look at starting in verse 8. And these first two verses are a major challenge for us. Let's read those together. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Now just to stop there a minute and explain that portion, that what, that it, what that is saying is that if you truly love your neighbor, if you follow that one rule, then by default you're going to then follow after these other, these other commandments. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to murder them. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to covet what they have. And any other commandment, they're summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Verse 11, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Now, Just to clarify, this is not talking about saving salvation. This is talking about ultimate salvation when we're with God in His presence, saved physically for all eternity. 
He's saying salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. It's a simple truth. If you came to faith in Christ yesterday, you are nearer to final salvation in eternity than you were yesterday. And each day thereafter. Verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Can you sense the urgency here in Paul's voice? The day is nearer now than it was This is urgent to put off darkness, to not walk in those ways. And he said the same thing to the church in Ephesus throughout the book of Ephesians. The time is now for those in Christ to stop sleeping and start walking. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time we have. And the question that often haunts me when I think about each day is if you were to die tomorrow, how would you spend today? If you knew, if you knew that tomorrow was it, tomorrow you were going to be in eternity. How would you spend today? How would you spend the time that you have? And I feel like if we were to answer that question honestly, we'd spend a whole lot less time wasting it on things that don't matter. And we'd spend that time with the people we love. We'd recognize those who are not in Christ, who we've worked alongside, or who are part of our families. And we'd speak truth, as hard as that is. And we'd recognize that maybe our kids who have been vying for our attention, and I should spend some more time with them, and wrestle with this reality of how much of what I do day to day is just thrown away and wasted. It's a hard reality we have to wrestle with. To make the best use of the time to take hold of every opportunity that's given to us. It takes discipline. It takes effort. But it takes me recognizing that I don't have forever on this earth. I have eternity. Yeah. But there's no second chance in eternity to do the things that I wish I would have done here. We don't get that. If there's stuff that we feel like we need to accomplish or things we need to say or people that we need to love on, we have to do it here in recognition that today may be the last day we have. We have no idea. No idea. 
Why should we care about how we use our time? It's a mark of wisdom. Our time here is short. Thirdly, the days are evil. Look back at Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, this one should come as no surprise to us, church. The temptations to waste our time are rampant and easily accessible. They're everywhere. It is not hard to find a way to waste your time in our culture today. It's really not. Most of us are carrying a professional time-wasting device around with us 24-7. Just to be frank, okay? I'm sorry you can make the excuse that you're working, but there comes a point in time where... I don't care how long you stare at that screen, you're not getting anything done. And I lump myself in that category, okay? You you have to set up restrictions. You You have to discipline yourself. You know what's so interesting? So I have an Apple device, and there's this neat feature on here where you can set time limits on things now. They call it screen time. You can set... A clock that'll pop up and say, oh, you've used up all your time for the day. But then it gives you an option. Do you want to bypass screen time? And when that happens, I go, this isn't helping me. Because I can lie to myself and go, oh, it's okay. But you know what's even cooler? Let me show you something. This is, this is amazing technology, okay? You want to see this? You ready? If you hold this, and you go like that, it shuts it off. And it won't bother you. doesn't matter who tries to call you, or if you get a notification, someone tries to text you, you get an email. Now, we laugh about that because it's common sense. And honestly... I'm going to speak to a younger crowd here in this sense. This is an area where we would be wise to heed the discernment and discipline of those older than us because they've figured out how to live life without that. Okay? And that's part of what the church is supposed to look like and discipleship and how that's to function is to to learn, well, When you don't have that, how do you spend your time? What does that look like? And to start asking yourself those hard questions. To take time where you say, you know what, I'm going to shut shut stuff off, everything off, and just focus and spend time. Now, be encouraged because the church that Paul's writing to needed the same reminder. And even though they didn't have technology like we do and it, They were still prone to wasting their time, okay? This is not a new issue for the church. This is something that's been perpetual. It's a reminder that in generations past and generations to come, we all need this reminder, make the best use of the time that we have. But too often, we make excuses for our lack of discipline due to the times that we live in, okay? We settle for average in not only our faith, but our life as a whole. 
We say, I'm okay with the way things are. I'm okay. All of this, I'm convinced, is the work of our adversary to convince us that we aren't really wasting our time. That it's okay. However you want to swing it, however you want to excuse it, you're not wasting your time. It's okay. And that whatever we have chosen over God's will for us is completely acceptable and okay. That's what he wants us to believe. Instead, we should recognize the short time we have here. We should recognize the wickedness of the day we live in. And if you have the hope of Christ, do you see that as a light within you that needs to be shown? Because, unfortunately, things like this tend to be blinds that get shut over top the light of Christ within you. And you miss opportunities that you could have had if you weren't distracted. And it doesn't have to be something like this. It used to be a newspaper. Okay? That's just as, that can be just as consuming, just as distracting as an electronic device. Don't fool yourself into thinking that it's only electronics that are the cause of this. Yes, they contribute, but that's not all. You can do a lot to waste your time that has nothing to do with an electronic device. But church, when we recognize that the days around us are evil, it should bring us to a point of recognizing all the more how desperately we have to discipline ourselves in the use of our time. This is not something that's easily learned or practiced. It takes work and it requires careful thought. It requires intentional prayer and constant evaluation. The other aspect of this is it really demands or should require that we're in accountability with other people who can take a look and help us to navigate through some of that. That's the the need for community around us to help us in these areas. And I'm working through that in my own life, just in the simple management of my schedule. Talking with some of our elder team and going, I need, to, I need to get a grasp on this. I need to discipline myself in how I use my time to make sure I'm being effective. The days are evil. The fourth and final thing here, why should we care about how we use our time? And this is probably the most challenging church is how we use our time, it reveals who your true God is. Verse 17 of Ephesians 5, Therefore do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What, What fills you? It's a simple question, but challenging in nature. Or maybe a more specific question is, what do you allow to fill you? 
And the contrast here in Ephesians 5 is someone who fills themselves with wine and their actions or what follows suit is debauchery. It's foolishness. And the contrast to that is rather be filled with the Spirit. And if you wonder what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, read Galatians 5 this week. And read what the fruit of the Spirit is. When you're filled with the Spirit, what does it produce? But then ask a more specific question. What do I allow to fill me? Is it media? Is it the news? Is it relationships with people? Is it What, what is it? That I allow to fill me. Because all of us are filled in some way. And can easily become distracted from what the will of the Lord is to this is what I have to do to keep myself filled. You see how the language changes there? All of a sudden it becomes about me. Rather than about Him. Do not... Be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And the call from that is then live in a way that you model that. Be filled with God's Spirit so that you reflect His character and how we spend our time should be a reflection of that. Now, practically, what does that look like in application? Because that's the hard part. Now, I'm just going to summarize for you a story that we read in Luke chapter 10. And you can jot that reference down, and I encourage you, anytime you spend reading Scripture, do that. But in Luke chapter 10, you have this story where Jesus comes to visit. And you have these two women who are in the house, modeling two very different perspectives in the presence of Jesus. Now, Martha, she is gearing up for Jesus to be there. And I can really picture this because I think it's what we are often guilty of in our culture today. Everything's got to be organized. Everything's got to be clean. The food's got to be cooked. Everything's got to be done. We've got this list to do. We've got to check everything off. Oh, man, he's here already. He's early. We've got to get this done now. Okay? Some of you can relate to this. And then you have Mary, who in the presence of Martha, trying to get all this done, is sitting there, listening, being present. And many of you who resonate with the first aspect can really almost picture Martha's demeanor every time she walks through that room. And she comes again, she's still sitting there. Right? And it builds and builds and builds and builds. And she's thinking, I have so much to do. And she's not doing anything. And what's really interesting about that story is that eventually she snaps, but she doesn't confront Mary. She confronts Jesus. And says, 
Why are you, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, okay? Why are you allowing her to just sit here when I'm trying to get all this stuff done? And Jesus' response is powerful and gracious. And he simply says this, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. First thing from this, if you have not trusted Christ, you will spend your entire life being a Martha. Okay? That's the first thing you need to hear. If you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, you will spend your whole life being a Martha, checking off tasks, going through life, accomplishing much in your mind, but missing the point. Jesus identified, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. It's of eternal value. But you see, most of us, if not all of us, are Marthas. We've become so distracted that we've failed to sit and listen to the instructions of God. The frustrating part is that it can be good things you are doing. But that doesn't mean you are making the best use of the time that you have. There is a large difference between being busy and being faithful. Big difference. We can fill our time and be really busy and not be faithful to what God has called us to. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is God's will for you today? If you don't have the hope that is only found in Christ, then I will tell you that is God's will for you today. That's it. Your application is you need Christ You need to recognize what He accomplished for you on the cross and when He rose from the grave. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's 2 Peter 3.9. But for the rest of you, you need to ask the question, how would He have you spend your time? How would He have you serve? Who would He have you talk to? What would He have you listen to? How does He want you to grow? And we've been talking a lot about that as the church. There was a Chinese proverb that was shared with me this last week that was very fitting as we get ready to close. Because some of you may be going, man, I feel like I've already wasted a lot of time. And it's discouraging for me because then I kind of throw my hands up and go, well, I might have less life now than I had then and I wasted it then. 
And that Chinese proverb simply says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. You have today. None of us are promised tomorrow. But church, I challenge you. Don't let your time waste away. Start walking with Christ today. Our worship team is going to come forward. And I'd ask you to stand with me. And we're going to pray that God would do a work in our lives as we evaluate how we use our time. Heavenly Father, I pray this, that we would not be foolish, but we would understand what your will is. Not just in our own lives individually, but more importantly as the church, that we would understand what your will is. Lord, forgive us for how we have wasted time. May we make the most use of every opportunity you give to us, starting now. To speak truth where it needs spoken, to encourage where we need to encourage, to share truth of the gospel in the places where we know we need to. And Lord, ultimately, that you would continue to shape us and move us to a place where we would be the church you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.